I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I'm constantly looking for products that will make my hair less frizzy. Hey, I'm Gabe Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and I have jaw acne. I don't know what I want to say. What do you, what's, I, I, we both have physical problems, question mark. What, what do you mean? What, what do you mean about your hair? Well, I have very frizzy hair naturally. And I've been just going and trying all these different hair products throughout my entire life. But I, I just got a new hair oil. Mm. I, I'm, on, I'm not that frizzy today. No, I love it. You dyed your hair black again. Yes. And nobody Which, noticed. I'm sorry. I know. But it's my favorite because it's like it's always giving Betty Page. Like I always like yeah, it. favorite that you didn't even notice. I know. I didn't even notice. I'm sorry. But I got a haircut and you didn't notice. Melissa noticed. Well, I never look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Shot through the heart <laughs> and you're too plain. <laughs> we wow. don't have the rights. We don't uh, have the rights. <laughs> anyway, this is Just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous games. And brutal honesty. Except when I lie just to burn you. That's true. I'm so excited um, about our guest this week, which is Danny Tamborelli, who is uh, uh, the author of two rom-com books, one which is coming out in May and one that I think is already out. And also you might recognize his name from all that, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. And he's just like kind of a a jack of all trades. Yeah, he is so delightful. Delightful person. I know. Danny is also a dad, so you can hear his kids in the background, which is very cute. Yeah, like it's a ambiance. Yeah, it's real. It's very real. (laughs) Especially like it's like a spoiler. He's talking about his wife and then boom, they have a a baby. Two. Two babies. Wow. Yep. And later we're going to be talking all about romanticizing your life. And and why I'm trying to do that. Oh, okay. You're trying to do it. Yeah. Okay. It's, I'm working on it. Okay. I mean, you did go to Italy. That feels pretty romantic. No, that's not what it is. Oh, okay. Sorry. Did you click the link I sent? You know I didn't. <laughs> okay. Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Danny Tamborelli. So stay tuned. Just between back to just between us it's time for the juiciest most scandalous most controversial segment known to all of podcasting tough questions this week on the show we have danny tamborelli a writer actor musician comedian who rose to fame on nickelodeon as the star of tv shows like the adventures of pete and pete all that and figure it out he currently hosts the adventures of danny and mike a podcast with his pete and pete co-star mike morona the live comedy show nostalgia personified and is the basis for the band jows he is also the author of two rom-coms for adults, The First Date Prophecy and The Road Trip Rewind with his wife, Kate Dambrelli, which is so cute. Hello. I, I can, I'm going to take that and bring that with me everywhere I go. That was like, what an intro. I feel, Thank I you. feel like. People really love my energy on I, that. Great. <laughs> gave great energy. I'm loving it. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So first of all, your first book is based on, uh, is it like, Pulled from your actual life with your wife? It is. It is. We did uh, We did match on Tinder when Tinder was the only thing. It wasn't the total cesspool it is now, I guess. I'm not sure. Sh- you know, uh, I, I'm not sure. It's been, it's been, it's been a long time now. The, the idea for the book, it's a, the similar meet cute, the same meet cute, in fact. So you met on Tinder. We met on Tinder and I didn't know this until six weeks after we had already started dating, but 
she had uh, not swiped on me. She recognized me and she was like in like a nope, 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 nope. Or so she says, maybe she was like, no, but whatever. She swiped, she swiped no and uh, was like, oh my gosh, was that who had, she basically, she deleted Tinder and she, she did a whole new everything just to keep swiping to find me again. And then it matched. Oh, yeah. Oh my how God. Kooky, how kooky is that? Yeah. You know, the, the, <laughs> the thing about it is if, if that had been told to me, same day perhaps there would have been a little inkling to be like well i don't know if this is gonna work out but she she because did she 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 snuck it in there you know after we were smitten with each other because did she recognize you from like from your work she did she did and actually the funniest thing about all of that is that she was dating not in the moment but she had just dated somebody who was a big fan of my comedy stuff and he would come to all my shows in Brooklyn and all these things. And so he had kind of like primed her, I guess, to be in the <laughs> forefront of my brain in her brain. So she, I like to say that she just really went out with me because she really wanted to spite that dude. <laughs> <laughs> that must, and now you're married. That must bother him so much. <laughs> I know. I know. It's uh, and lived like six, six blocks down the street from where we live. <gasps> So once in a while, we will run into each other. And we do have, like, you know, friends of friends who are the same. So, like, there have been moments over our courtship where, like, he'd be around. And I'm a very, I'm a, I'm, as long as you're not being a total asshole to me, I'm pretty even-keeled, nice, will listen to your stories and, and be friendly and all. But, uh. Yeah, sometimes it was a little weird. <laughs> you, you guys are the villains. You guys are actually the villains oh, in the story. I mean, you know, I guess, I guess so. I guess there's like a double bamboozle in all of this. So she didn't tell me about that. And I guess she, one of the reasons she stopped dating this guy was, you know, he was just too, he smoked pot too much. I think he was a... Okay. And she, so she wasn't really into that. And I, at the time, was smoking a lot of pot myself. And so I didn't, Tell her I was smoking weed that much. I don't, I don't really smoke weed that much. <laughs> that, that in sports I lied about too. So we're, our whole, both our meeting just happened to start with a lie. But look, look at and us now. And now the whole relationship the is whole, built on lies. Built on just teeny little white lies. Well, so I said, I was like, well, what would have happened if I didn't, you know, open your horizons a little bit to see that it's not about the pot. It's about the user. If someone just sits around, oh. if you sit around in your apartment all day and smoke weed and don't do anything, I can understand why someone would be like, oh, yeah, I don't want that. But she found she found someone who smoked weed who's like, I can still do stuff. Like, I'll. <laughs> That's <laughs> Allison. <laughs> oh, good. There you go. See? So you know what I'm talking about. So I had to break down those barriers. It was less lying and more of a, right. you know, just just showing what the other side could actually look like. <laughs> and then did that really happen? You guys went on your date and a psychic said you were soulmates? No, no, that's where it veers off. That's where that's where it goes awry. The actual meeting in the book when they meet at the bar though, I was half an hour late and and Rudy in the story was half hour late and he also wipes his shirt uh on his face because he was sweaty from running from the train to get there on time and that was also true. And I also think that's a you know in that first moment meeting someone you're like sit down and I said, sorry, I was late. I'm taking the flannel off and not even thinking twice, which is like, 
and then put it on the seat and she just kind of looked at me and then we continued conversation. <laughs> it, it worked out fine. But, you know. Charming. Very, yeah, very charming. I'm, I know I'm painting this beautiful picture of myself. <laughs> you are probably the first, like, child star that we've had on the show. Yeah, that's true. And it's, true. like, a really interesting time to be talking to you because I feel like that's very much in the zeitgeist of, like, how child stars were were treated. I guess my first question in that vein is, like, what is it like to go on a date with someone you know who is so familiar with you as a character or you as a performer? Well, I've had a fair share of of instances living in New York as a single person where I sometimes it could feel icky, you know? I Yeah. I wrote a song once called Cold Fog that's on a challenge record that basically is all about that and about, like, I would kind of be like, felt like punctious pilot in my hands, like, okay, you can stay over and I'll drive you home, but I'll probably never... This will not happen again. You told me that you always wanted to know what it would be like to make out with little Pete or something like that. And, uh. and it gets weird. And it gets, that's weird. Because first of all, I was 11 and 12. So right. they, the nice way of saying something like that is like, hey, like, you're the reason why I date redheads, you know, or something mm. like that, which is really nice. And I do get that. And I'm like, all right, we need, we need more redheaded aficionados and lovers out there. Like, that's important. But to kind of like, oh, you you know, meet someone at the bar and you're talking and maybe you go home and then like in pillow talk, there's like, I just, I have to like, just confess. <gasps> when someone says that, do you immediately go, I know what this is? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And, you know, I would say that the few dates that I was on through Tinder had certainly came off that way. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a bio or anything. I just had my pictures. That's what a dickhead I was. <laughs> I was just like, if you know, you know, but I didn't want to write I, Y, I, you know, I didn't, I felt like that was. I right, right, right. I didn't know about, I didn't That's even know That's even that, more that. of an asshole thing to do is just put pictures of yourself and then write, if you know, you know. <laughs> oh my God. Ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I would just try to be nice or like the expectations of like what people would think like a child actor, you know, how they lived, how they would speak. I mean, in, in the book, in the first day prophecy, the main character, Rudy, is a former child actor. So I got to really put some of how I feel about it into the book fictionally, mm-hmm. but, you know, drawing from my past to, to kind of, yeah, it was kind of cathartic in a way. Yeah, I bet. Which and it was also a little like, you know, made it hard while we were editing because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that maybe I wanted to, that I was just, you know, spewing out writing that would be like, okay, we can, you know, this doesn't need to be here. But I'm like, but it's, a, but it's important to me. And it's like, wait, no, but it doesn't serve the story, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, your book is not, it's, it can be therapy if you're willing to let some of it go. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, learning how to do that was was interesting and then writing the second book which has nothing to do with my life at all almost felt like a an easier time where it felt less like uh forced to like make sure that the my feelings got across like i was really able to kind of be like no it's this character and it's mm-hmm. you know my parents and and my wife's parents would like sometimes like confuse us you know, oh from, the, from the character in that, and they'd be like, we couldn't read that sex scene because it's you guys. I'm like, it's not us. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not us. I wrote a graphic novel and the character is literally an Asian 19 year old. And my dad would be like, 
oh, it was so crazy when you did this. And I was like, it's like, not was me. It <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what do you mean when I, he always, my mom just was talking about a fiction thing that I put on Patreon. And she was like, the part about the character, or she's like the part about mommy issues. And I was like, it's not me. <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain. It's not me. Uh, I just kept repeating. It. It's fiction. And then she would say something and then I'd go, it was fiction. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Right before I found out about this project, my mom made an offhand comment about wanting to write a memoir because she had such a wild childhood and there are all these things she's never really talked to us about. But asking someone to sit down and write a memoir is kind of daunting. So then I got her mylifeinabook.com and now she's getting prompts to answer on a weekly basis and it's a lot easier than just undertaking an entire memoir. I'm so excited to see what my mom does with mylifeinabook.com because she's someone who doesn't always always feel comfortable just sharing about herself, but having these prompts and knowing that I really want to hear her answers is going to inspire her to probably share more with me about her life and her upbringing than I've ever been shared with before. So I'm so excited for that. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code just between us at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code just between us for 10% off today. And we're back. I would love to know some of those feelings that you that didn't make it into the book and like how you do look back on on that kind of childhood that you had. Well, I'm really lucky. I was really lucky. And and I think Rudy's character seems to be it's that's, you know, I was living in L.A. I was on a very popular television show, all that. And, you know, Nick Cannon's going off to do Drumline and Keenan's going on to SNL and like we're all kind of doing things and I'm a senior in high school and I go to my public high school in Jersey and I want to go to college and I want to get that experience. And like, that was more important to me than like staying in LA and like trying to like hitch a ride on another gig and like try to continue on that path because I was doing it as a kid. It was fun. And then like you turn 18 and you get like money and they're like, all right, well, you could just stay here and like continue to do this or I could just blow blow all this money on a liberal arts college <laughs> degree and go, you know, party and, and have that like experience because I know a lot of my friends who are child actors who chose to stay like didn't do that, you know? And I and it, maybe if I had been homeschooled and not gone to public school or been just on that constant tutoring tip that I wouldn't 
have felt the need to go to college. I'm happy I went to Hampshire College. It's a very small, like, liberal arts school in, in Western Mass and, you know, a very diverse, inclusive, and, like, you can do your own thing and really, like, a wonderful place to be. And it just felt like that was, like, where where I needed to go. Like, it's like, doing this was fun, but I play music now. And, you know, the jaded, I had this very jaded child actor mentality that was, like, acting. You know, it's just, like, you're just like reading somebody else's lines and taking direction from somebody else. But this music, this 17 minute hippie jam that I wrote, that's me. That's all <laughs> me. I wrote all that. And I like hung, I hung my hat on that because it was like, you, you know, you, I was just, I've been working consistently since I was seven years old mm-hmm. and still like trying to balance. Like I went to, my parents were like, they were, they made sure that I went to, regular school and I was in soccer and I played rec baseball and I, you know, they, they tried really hard to make sure that I wasn't just on set and around adults and around, you know, the industry. Like they really tried to make sure that I understood everything. I mean, I was, again, I was a senior in high school and I had a, the, you know, the biggest show on Nickelodeon and on Saturdays and Sundays, I would work at the local bagel store in the town I grew up in because my dad straight up told me, you know, this isn't going to last forever and, and you need to understand and like learn the value of a dollar and like you got to work a little bit. So I had like a whole shtick where I was like, oh yeah, we're friends, I'm friends with the owner and like he just needs some help and I'm just trying to help out. And in actuality, I was, that was my job. That's what I was doing. Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelo would come into the bagel store because the next town over is a really rich town. One time, Mark Consuelo looked at me. He's like, what are you doing here, dude? <laughs> he's like, I'm just so, my kids just watched you on TV. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just doing it. So I'd like make bagels for people. And they'd like ask for an extra bag and ask me to sign it. And in that moment, like, you know, I kind of felt funky about it. And, and in hindsight, it's probably the greatest gift my parents gave me was like, the ability to be normal and be level-headed and continue to grow where that stereotype of like child actors, they, their brains stop growing when they like, you know, have their, their 15 minutes. And that's like where they, you know, they, they continually stay there. And it does happen for some people. And I, and I, I wish that I could help some friends that, you know, like I, I, I love Amanda. I want Amanda to be healthy and happy. And like, I feel like she deserves to, to feel normal and feel good and she just constantly like gets pushed by tabloids and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and it just you know doesn't get the ability to like have that and I think parents have a lot to do with how their kids are raised in duh like yeah duh but specifically for child actors if you have parents who are stage parents and they're thinking about the next gig or they're thinking about the career and they're not thinking about like this, you've got like a, you know, a, a teenager who's going through all sorts of things. Like I went from being on a, on Pete and Pete where I was like the cool, tough brother, you know, and then was on all that. And I was the butt of all the jokes and I was like 16. And that was kind of weird for me where I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, and in this other, this other thing, I'm this like cool hipster, you know, whatever, like, and this, I'm just getting like kind of shit on all the time. And like, it's funny and I and I have thick skin and like I get it, but it, as a developing 16-year-old to like go from up here to being like the butt of the jokes, it, you know, it kind of, it can mess with you. You know, it can mess with pe- kids who are like 
doing a million different characters and like mm-hmm. while their brain is developing. Like, you know, I feel like some, I don't know where little Pete and Danny sort of blur together because that was like a really important time in my life for development. And I had people, you know, for like creatively and arts related stuff, music stuff. I had basically all these older brothers and sisters that would be like, Oh, you got to check out this band or you got to see this movie. So I was, and I'm the oldest in my family. So I, I was the one bestowing information up upon my sisters like that. But I was getting that from the, these crew members and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just, you, it's, it's, it's about navigating it properly and, and your parents have everything to do with it. And if you don't have something that you can, I guess going back to the me being jaded about the business, like being able to say that, Hey, I'm going to school for music. And I studied jazz and upright bass and really immersed myself in that. And that was like the other thing that I had that wasn't, you know, being on TV was certainly not a stable business either, but like it was something that I was able to be like, well, you know, this doesn't work out. I'm doing this and this is important to me. And I think sometimes kids who are in the industry are so caught up in the one thing that they've done or the one big moment that they have that it's hard for them to like realize that there's other stuff going on. And I Mm -hmm. think that, you know, that can really make, that can make or break people. (laughs) You know, if you don't have something good, you're the same person like, oh, oh, I just can't wait to do what I used to do because Mm -hmm. that's all I, it's all I have. It's great that your parents had you going to school. It is interesting to be growing up with all these people and witnessing all of these different dynamics with their parents or different dynamics of you're not responsible for for other, you know, for the people you grew up with uh, when you were all just kids. But it is like a very, um, you know, for the grace of God kind of situation, which I do, I do understand can be heavy, but it is so interesting. So you you were like, I want to like this was fun, but I don't want to continue doing shows or doing stuff like that? Well, I think it was probably a mix of senior year of high school, knowing that it was the last, you know, yeah. the last thing. And I had been, I'd only been, you know, I basically lived in LA from October to February. And then I have March, April, May, and June back in Jersey. So I was only in school for half of the year. How did you have time? Well, because I get tutored. So it was like, yeah, being tutored, you, I would, I would blow through the curriculum because it's one-on-one. So you're just doing stuff as opposed to like having yeah, to wait like the full week. Like I, I would get in trouble when I go back to school because <laughs> I'm a, because I'm a wise ass and I, I want to make people laugh. And I'd be done with work. I'd be like, they're working on this. Like I did that two months ago. Like I'm done. Like I'm like, I've done it all. Like, what do you mm-hmm. want me to do? Just sit here? Well, that's idle hands. Like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess uh, I had more Saturday detentions than I had Saturdays left in school. <laughs> because of that. Uh, yeah. I mean, what was the transition like to go from probably having so much attention on you and being like a, a kid celebrity to then trying to just like be a regular college student? Well, I think going to a trippy hippie college like Hampshire helped a little bit because it, it kind of was less of the, I mean, UMass Amherst is down the road and there's 30,000 kids there. Right. <laughs> so like the first time I went to a party at UMass was like a crazy experience because all these kids' minds are getting blown and 
you know, sign this, sign that. Some frat boys like, hey, you, sign, you sign my left testicle? And I was like, ah, no, oh my give me your God. Arm. I was like, no, but give me your arm. And I, and I wrote, you know, I drew a dick on his, on his hand and then signed it. I was like, that's as good as you're going to get, pal. Oh my God. Yeah. Hampshire's like too artsy. Maybe those kids were like too artsy to give a shit. Yeah, oh, but they, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, you know, I've, I've, I found the crew of people that I like to hang out with my, actually my, uh, my good friend, Nicole, she and I went from fifth grade through college together. So we went, Aww. you know, ended up going to Hampshire together and lived together there and had our friends that were kind of together. And it's just like a, you know, I went to school in Western Massachusetts and from Jersey. So a lot of kids were like, you know, went to Vermont or New Hampshire. So we were all kind of, as much as I made new friends and stuff like that, I still had those like, you know, fifth grade roots kids who I only got as friends because uh, they were all extras on the adventures of Pete and Pete when I was the new kid. <laughs> I was the new, I moved, I moved in fifth grade and I was a new kid and I was like, how am I going to make friends? You guys want to be on TV? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the Hampshire people, people watched Pete and Pete because that was like uh, artsy and hipster in its own way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure they did. It was just a smaller experience. So it was nice to kind of like not have it be so public, you know? Yeah. It was, it was still like small enough. And Cell phones uh, did not have cameras. So, you know, that was also helpful for th some of the nefarious things that may or may not have happened at that school. Yeah. <laughs> Psychedelically or not, or what have you. <laughs> what are your thoughts on like child actors now? Is that something you would advise parents to allow their kids to do, to not allow their kids to do? How do you feel about that lifestyle? I get asked that a fair amount because, you know, I'm, I'm not biased here. I am, I guess I am. I have very uh, adorable children. And oh. <laughs> I'll brag about it all day. They're, they're so damn fucking cute, but they're also <laughs> pains in my ass. You know, they, they could have a face for TV and people have asked me about that. I wouldn't be, I have a problem if I was on set with them mm -hmm. as a parent because I am very familiar I would make very good friends with the social worker immediately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> know, know where they are at all times. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, I think it's more of a, it's more of a kid's decision. You know, like I, I made the decision. I bugged my parents as a little kid. I was like, I like that. I can do that. I want to do that. And then I'd met a manager and they were like, fine, go for it. <laughs> and I booked something and I was like, this is fun. I booked something else and I'm like, this is fun. And then I booked Pete and Pete and I was, that like took me until I was in sixth grade. <laughs> so yeah. it just kind of like, just kind of went. But I, I, I think there are parents that, that see their kids as like, they're really adorable. They should do, t they should be on TV. And if they don't really want to, I don't think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a gray area. The thing that I don't like about it, and I said this long, I guess, I guess the kids from Stranger Things are probably all 18 now. Mm. <laughs> it's been a, but like, you know, thinking about social media and like how like you see like all these child actors and like this is mom, mom approved account or something like that, you know, like that they're sort of like monitoring what, what's going on on their social media feed. But having to just think about that in general sucks. Yeah. Like how do, do like none of us do we we all do creative things. We all have to promote them. 
is one of the, your favorite things about being creative, going on social media and being like, make sure you buy this and make sure you do this and make sure, make no, sure we you hate check it. this out. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not great. And to think about how that affects kids who are also developing and we're, you know, until we're in our like mid-20s, our brain's fully capable of like understanding like full-on reasoning for things and stuff like that and not getting over-emotional. Like when you have like a 12 year old kid, like have like a fun tweet and someone like says something nasty and like how that can like ruin something, like literally yeah. ruin somebody. Yeah. You know? And that, and that to me is where like the, I feel like the line is. Yeah. You were more insulated. I mean, you, there, maybe sure. there were reviews of Pete and Pete, maybe. Sure. Yeah. It wasn't, it certainly wasn't in, in real time. Mm-hmm. Way back in the day when IMDB had uh, the ability to comment on people's pages, which was, something that they were able to do that my college girlfriend had told me you should look at. (laughs) There's some crazy stuff about people meeting me or like seeing my band and like he stayed over at my friend's house, you know, like stuff like that. And you're just like, oh God, everybody knows everything. Like what's going (laughs) on here? But as like a kid, yeah, there was, you know, there was really none of that. It was more like they would send me, well, they tried to. And I said, I've been on a hit TV show on Nickelodeon. I don't have to go to this. Thank you. It was like, hey, this is how you're supposed to like treat fans or like, you know, they gave like a tutorial of like being famous, essentially. What? Nickelodeon did? Yeah, for like new cast members on all that. They would, you know, they'd be like, hey, we need you to sit in on this like this will like give you like an idea of like how you like talk to fans. And so I was like, I don't need that. I've done it. I know, you know, I'm not an idiot. Like you gotta like, you just be nice. I was always told my mom, my mom's like, she's like, always oh, like turn it on them. Like, yeah, what I did was great. Like, but what do you like to do? And then you start Aww. a conversation and then you have like these moments. And I, I like, I, I really, I believe in that. I think that was a really good thing to do because as a 41 year old adult now, with good communication skills and like being a dad, like being empathetic and like trying to, you know, get a point across or listen or be someone who's like, I, I see you, you know, th- those are important things that not every kid growing up in the nineties got. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. I really, I really, I mean, your parents sound great. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty all right. They're pretty all right. <laughs> the rest of this episode and let me tell you you do head over to patreon.com slash just between us and for three dollars a month you can get access to all of our podcast episodes in full ad free you can also get merch for this podcast at just between us pod.com or allison raskin okay that's it tatala t2 <laughs> tatala t2 